Hello and welcome to Dinish Guarda YouTube podcast series. I'm very excited to be here again and uh, talking with global leaders and global makers that are creating new solutions for the problems we face in the world and as well looking at how we can actually use technology to empower our society and to create new solutions, how to manage both innovation, how to manage new kind of directions and inventions and as well financial inclusion and financial solutions, but as well how we can use technology for good, but as well at the same time creating both business models and solutions that can actually be taken in a lot of different directions. So our series has been growing uh, quite big. We have right now over 150 um, interviews and people from all over the world. And today I'm particularly excited. Uh, I have uh, someone that actually wanted to do this interview for some time. So I welcome Calvin. So I'll go a bit of a, a small introduction about Calvin. So Calvin is a very successful um, entrepreneur, uh, investor, VC, and one of the biggest experts as well in blockchain technology in the world. In a lot of different areas, he's been working in particularly quite advanced areas of especially blockchain innovation, blockchain technology, and VC. So Calvin is the general partner of Plutus VC and uh, he's been managing around $200 million plus blockchain and innovation funds. And he's a serial entrepreneur and angel investor with many successes and achievements um, on his belt, uh, platforms and companies that are publicly listed like Digital Hollywood 2017 um, and uh, as well Retech, City Telecom, and a lot of other companies that have uh, been done uh, IPOs in different areas. And uh, he manages right now the Bluetooth Ventures, which we're going to be talking, that is specially focused on investing in blockchain and technology companies worldwide. And uh, Calvin has been a mastermind that controls a lot of, uh, as well, cyber cafes in Malaysia, and um, has been actually creating a lot of organizations and companies like PC Games Publishers Worldwide. Uh, is a former veteran in the promotional advertisement industry, has won numerous awards and tenders from top international clients, uh, like companies as big as Triumph and public banks. Um, and as well, he's been as well um, working um, in very initiatives in the video gaming industry. And actually sold a couple of companies and work on this area for a long time. And I think in terms of his biography, and we'll talk about it, um, he's been kind of uh, always interested in innovation and both the conversion between digital and then from the digital and the gaming and the e-commerce has been going to blockchain, where it's been actually, uh, I think it's very interesting to put on the, on the box, but I think Calvin is quite unique that he's been having experience in digital media, e-commerce, social network, online gaming, gaming space, and then blockchain, crypto, and uh, the new areas of decentralized finance and decentralized um, technologies. Um, and I think is as well, I think it's, I, I wanna just highlight some things, but uh, for instance, prior to a lot of these things, Calvin was as well part of a team that successfully clinched a deal with World of Craft in China. And uh, it's been as well, one of the top uh, Shannon entrepreneurs and as well uh, as someone that has been working between different areas has been creating quite uh, uh, impressive achievements in all these different areas. So Calvin, it's really a pleasure to have you here and I'm looking forward to hear from you and to discuss a couple of ideas. Thank you for having me here today. Okay. So um, 
what, where would you like me to start first? Yeah, I want to start with the beginnings. I always like to start with the beginning. So um, as someone that has a very international background, you've been between Malaysia and China and Hong Kong, but as well the world. Uh, can you tell us a bit about how did you start all these entrepreneurial and as well these achievements? And when did you start? And wow. I think you can tell us a big background. <laughs> Because I think it's important to look, there's a lot of small entrepreneurs looking, and even me, I always like to learn with people like you, because we always learn those ideas we share and learn with each other. Well, um, let's go back a little bit right at the beginning is that in, in actual fact, I had, uh, when I was young, I wanted to become a lawyer. Okay? And then uh, there was once that my grandmother took me to see some lawyers that uh, See, lawyers have tons of work on their desk and the, or don't look at them wearing jacket and coat, you know, okay? but they, they don't make a lot of money. They just looks good. That was what my grandmother tells me. And then, and then I go on and ask my grandmother, what should, I, what should I be? He said, you should be an entrepreneur like your grandfather. Okay? Build a business and so on. And makes lots of money, you know. That's how um, Chinese parents teaches their son, you know. You got to do something that makes you a lot of money, right? So then I changed my mind to look into business. I started to become very entrepreneur back in my school days. I founded my school com first computer club, and then I also link up all the school computer clubs together. So. Those were my early teens time that I went into this uh, entrepreneur path. And uh, I was back then when I was 17 years old, I was featured in the main newspaper in Malaysia uh, as the Starlight uh, because I started a company at the age of 16 called Step One. So Step One at that time, it was our first step into the world of business. That's why my company was called Step One at that time. So we, we organized tea dance uh, events and so on for teenagers, boys to meet girls and so on. It was this, this particular event company made me probably the richest kid in school. Okay? <laughs> yeah, so those, those were the start, those were the beginning. And uh, because of this beginning, I've always had the um, nose to smell where is the money in business. And so to cut short, um, I, after graduated and so on, I looked for my first job. I went for like uh, probably 40 interviews. I, I could remember around that. I got offers for like 20 over companies and all the salaries that they were giving to me really sucks. I said, I, I told myself that you know, after paying for the petrol, I probably could survive for five or a week more. And then that's it. And I have to ask my parents and so on for money. Right? So then I told myself, I have to select a first job that is going to be my stepping stone that I can build the entire business from scratch for myself. Right, I'm not gonna work for people. So, I work for an advertising, a top four A advertising company. Within eighteen months, I formed my own advertising company, and uh, that's where it it all started. And 
later on, this advertising company, I left it to my third brother to manage. And I went to Hong Kong to embark into um, factories in China. We started two factories in China. Okay. But after two and a half years, I just couldn't see myself every night. I asked myself this same question. Can I envision myself as a factory owner? If people ask me, what business are you in? Oh, I'm in the uh, production of uh, and manufacturing of handbags. Shit, I say, that's worse than being a lawyer. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. So then I needed something. I needed a business that is cool and exciting and fun. So maybe going back into entertainment could be, could, could be a good chance or you know, move into something that is cool. And that's where I found uh, online games. So I practically signed up um, all the PC games rights for Malaysia at that time. And because I own all the rights, and if everybody do remember, behind every DVD or VCD or even back then called Laserdisc, you have a small fine print, okay, that belongs to the um, Burn Convention that practically states that you cannot use your VCD, DVD, or Laserdisc for public broadcast. It's only for home and private use only. So that means that every game that all the cyber cafes are using has violated the copyright of the commercial copyright. So that's where I went and grabbed, you know, all the rights for the most popular two games that is Counter-Strike and Red Alert back then. So with these two copyright, practically I control all the cyber cafes in Malaysia. And uh, it became a big, uh, thing in Malaysia back then, whereby every cyber cafe have to pay me a royalty. That's where I moved into the business of online games. And this business took me, uh, where me and my partner, we, we sort of like went to China and uh, brought World of Warcraft to China. Wow, that's okay. really impressive. Yes. So, but and China were, is not at the time team. you were like twenty twenty one. So that you were a very young entrepreneur. That's impressive. Yeah. Yes. So China is not an easy market. China is not an easy market. Uh, I've been in China for twenty one years already. Twenty one years in China. So that that is uh, I can say that uh, China is one of the most competitive market in the world. It's the hey. most competitive, I would say. Yeah, probably the most competitive. Yes. No. For sure. It's, uh, it's really impressive. So I, I want to ask you one thing, because uh, one thing, uh, I, well, I love Malaysia, and I've been working with Malaysia for a long time. And one of the things is that Malaysia has a very multicultural background. And, she has, and, and Malaysia has as well a, a huge uh, background in Chinese entrepreneurs and Chinese culture and actually Chinese population, which is one of the most mm -hmm. dynamic there. So how was that part of uh, growing up in Malaysia and being Chinese, but as well having this network and then going to China, to Hong Kong, which is at the time, of course, was when, when China was opening to the world and becoming the powerhouse that is now. But at that time, it was not that powerhouse. Hong Kong was, but not China. So you saw all yes. of this as well, no? So um, why did I choose China? At that time, uh, you remember I said I went to uh, Hong Kong to open up a manufacturing business in China. 
that was when I saw the difference between Hong Kong and Malaysia. Everything is in Hong Kong is fast-paced. You need to think fast, you need to act fast, and you need to grab opportunities fast. But back in Malaysia, we, we have a, a Malay saying that is uh, eso beso lupa. So it's like, when you want to do something, it's always like tomorrow, you know? Or the day after tomorrow, the next thing. And then you forgot about it totally. So it's, it's too laid back, you know? It's too laid back. Uh, very, very unlike Hong Kong. So after Hong Kong, after I sold my factory shares and so on, after Hong Kong, I went back to Malaysia for a while, but I just find that uh, Malaysia is too slow as compared to Hong Kong. So I had to choose a new place to go to. Either I'm going to the US or I go to China. So I selected China. It's a great uh, stuff because you grew up with the, the, the opening of China to the world and all the technology revolution that was for China because you saw all of that happening because China became or started being, by being the factory of the world to become actually the leading economy and, and technology yeah, power of the fact, world. In fact, the, uh, I saw the rise of the internet age in China whereby uh, at the very beginning, it was the concept, the business model of copy to China you copy whatever that's in the US and you bring it to China. So you have search and then China will copy the search for the Chinese market and, uh, and, and so on. And to now, it is actually copy from China. Okay? China is starting to innovate new stuff that is totally not available worldwide. And such as the, the phenomenon of uh, live streaming. Live streaming actually started in China. And can you tell us about some of your achievements on that time? Because you, you took a couple of companies public and you create actually very big business. And it's really important. Now you're more well known as a VC fund and blockchain guy, but you did a fantastic background well, at that. So it was, a, it was not an easy, it was not an easy uh, path for sure. We, uh, we had a lucky strike because we took World Warcraft to China. So uh, I would really say that it was World Warcraft success. It wasn't, it wasn't us. Anyone that have took WoW to China would have been successful because the game itself is one of the most best games in the world. But back then, you had doubt. Everyone had doubt whether World Warcraft would be successful. So after World Warcraft, um, I actually had a few failures. You know? So a lot of my friends and so on were saying that, you know, um, you need to reprove yourself again, right? Without Warcraft, would you still be able to succeed in China? So we were overconfident. We were overconfident. We thought that we had it. We knew everything about China, but we don't. That is the key. We don't, right? So I had a few uh, failures. Example, one of my biggest failures, which I lost uh, investors a lot of money, you know, my investors faces were sour and that was when during the time when virtual worlds were at the most popular time so i started my 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 own virtual company as well we raised tens of millions of us together with my finnish partner back then and me myself i lost also 10 million of my own money back then so these were the lessons learned that allowed me to be able to be more prudent and better understands China, okay? 
everybody goes to China with the heart that they think that they can succeed. Actually, very little people can succeed in China. Okay? You, need, you need to really understand the market, what makes it takes, and so on. Okay? So I had my fair share of uh, failures back then. So this has led to me to formulate new companies or invest into new companies that allows me to succeed in China. Okay? So the next, the next project uh, led me to, uh, to be acquired. Next project that I did was acquired was, uh, back then was a mobile 3G comic. 3G were the, were, were the, hot, were the hottest trend there. So and 3G needed content. So what do you put on content? So we, we formulated a mobile browser whereby you can click, 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 and, and it will flip different comics and so on. We license comic books from Marvel. We, we license comics from uh, the Hong Kong comic industry, the Korean industry, and so on. And this company was eventually acquired. And later on, I joined uh, the acquired company, Civic Pacific, and I became their senior vice president helping them in charge of their new media innovation. And we also launched uh, games companies from Cidic, which were very, very successful. Later on, Cidic sold the whole entire games uh, and mobile arm to uh, Tom.com, which is formerly was owned by Lee Kasing in Hong Kong, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So then after that particular exit, um, I started to do angel investment, right? So. I believe that, okay, so now I practically understand how company works and so on. I managed to do an exit and I would be able to help other people do exits. But um, again, you know, failure knocks on your door. I took a few million US, invested into 20 over companies. And at the end of the day, after 18 months, you look at the 20 over startup that you invested in and they are almost dead. Almost every single one of them except two, three companies that is almost dead. So there goes my millions of US again, right? So you have to re-innovate. So with the last two million, I changed the formula of investment. Okay? And with that formula of investment, the last 30 companies that I invested in, whether or not the company died, or they're, they're still around, I make money from it. And this is a formula that uh, I have been adopting until even today. It's a very simple formula. I, I don't mind sharing it because uh, it, it, it takes you some skills to do it. So example, Denise, you have a company, you look for me for angel investment, I'll come in, I'll put in half a million US or a million US into your company, but I have one term and condition, only one. And that is, I get to exit one third, 33% at your next round. See? So very, very simple term. I only have one term. So with this particular term, my, my evaluation would not be on how I like your business anymore, okay? Or how I like you as an entrepreneur, whether or not you will make the next Google, right? So my evaluation would be, Denise, are you able to raise 
Series A after my angel run. Because why? If I can, and I believe, and I can help you to raise, raise Series A, I will get back all my money, including interest. And depending on how big your Series A would be. And then after that, Series B onwards is bonus. So my money always comes back within months of the investment. And this is exactly what I did back then. And 30 companies that I invested, not a single one that I lost money with because I treat every single investment that I have to go in to help the company to raise their Series A. If they are successful in raising that, I get back all my money. That's very smart and actually very intelligent. And I think yeah. it's the, so it's, out it, of the 30 it, companies, two of them went, two of them managed to hit IPO and that's the game, end game. Wow, congratulations. I love, I love that, but I, it, it shows as well your expertise because you, have, you, you help the companies as well becoming more savvy in terms of getting more money and growing. So that's well, very impressive. Because back then, I had, to, I had to think that, okay, you know, I'm, I'm not good in evaluating whether that guy is a good entrepreneur or not. And I probably sucks at looking whether his business model is good. I think it's good. I think they have a chance to become the next big thing. But, you know, but history has showed that the last 20 companies that I invested all gone, right? So that's not something that I'm good at. So what am I good at? Okay. So I think every entrepreneur should look at what they are good at. So at that time, I knew that I was good at helping people raise money. Okay. I was good at modifying their business proposal and guiding them towards raising the right amount of money. So I should treat every investment as a business. Okay. Whether I can help the entrepreneur to make the next round funding. And then I exit one third and I still have two thirds, right? So if he raised series B, I can exit another 33%. And there's money in my, in, in, in my account immediately, right? And the last one third of whatever shares that I have, that will be for the future. If they have an exit, if they are acquired, that will be the big payout. But before that, I probably get the first payout and a second payout. That's how I love that. Angel I investment that. You sh you should, is, is operated. No, but, it, but you, you should actually coach a lot of people because I think you are great teachers. I'm, I'm learning because this is really, even for me, I think these details are what makes or kills a business. Uh, and as well, like you said, you learn the hard way, but that's what makes you so special because you have that expertise that is quite unique. Yeah, I know, so I'm, fantastic. I'm, and, and I'm not shy about telling about that I did fail, right? I told no, everyone fails, but most of people don't twice tell it. <laughs> in my life. I failed and I changed and I adapt. I think that's the most important thing, right? No, no, no. Only amazing, yeah. So, so, so from then on, I believe that um, investment is a good way to 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 build to learn more because. Um, I meet a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of smart people. Some people are even much smarter than me, you know, and so on. Younger generation people with brilliant ideas and so on. And 
as an investor, you see a lot, you learn a lot, and so on. And you can also, from the experience, because we put money into the companies, and some companies, even if we do not put money, we follow up whether do they are they able to be success, successful. And if they fail, we would like to know why why they fail. At least, I was telling myself that if one day if I were to launch my own company again and become an entrepreneur, I would at least know one thing: what road that I take would definitely fail, right? Okay. So it wasn't until 2016 that my very good friend um, from uh, JL. Um, he's the managing director of a fund, a property, very big property fund, introduced me to Bitcoin. Right? That was in 2016. Uh, one day, he sent me an, a WeChat message with, uh, uh, with a newspaper article that, hey, look, this guy raised funding using cryptocurrency. He says, maybe this is the future. Right? Maybe this is the future. And then I look up what's Bitcoin. You know, I've heard of it before, but it wasn't until 2016 that I really looked into Bitcoin. And then my first impression of Bitcoin was, hey, I told my friend, this, could, this is a perfect scam. That was my first impression. <laughs> really. I said, you don't have a founder. You launch a token that goes up in value, just like that. And nobody can find who's the person behind it at all. Isn't that a perfect scam? I said, <laughs> there's nobody for you to arrest if anything goes wrong. See? So that was my first perception. And until my friend came to Shanghai, we, we studied deep into Bitcoin, into cryptocurrency, into blockchain, that I suddenly realized within a month and a half that I told my friend, I'm taking back what I, what I told you on my first impression of Bitcoin. This is another chance for in the internet space, right? Is I've seen the, the rise of internet, but I wasn't a big part of it. I was just a user of the internet, sending emails, having MSN chat. If you still remember MSN, you know, probably we are from the same era, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? MSN chat every day, you know? And then from that internet era, I saw the rise of online games. Oh, I was a part of the online games, but I wasn't a big player, but I made money from online games, which is very good, right? the rise of land games, online games, and then I saw the rise of mobile games. And then, of course, mobile games. Back then, our analog games were replaced to, with today's smartphones games, gaming, which our smartphone is as powerful as uh, our computers back then, right? So I saw all this rise every five to 10 years. That's a huge new opportunity for people to become rich, for people to become the next legend of a new industry. Blockchain and cryptocurrency will see a new batch coming up. I saw this whole rise. The, the people that became legend in the internet space are not legend in the mobile space, right? 
if you really look at the transition, each of this new beginning have its own group of millionaires and billionaires being born in one particular big industry. So, and I told my I told my, my, my friend that, hey, thanks a lot for sending me that article. I'm going to print that article up and frame it up, man. I say, this would be my last uh, path in my life for investment or even entrepreneurship. I told him, because this will be one market that is going to be huge. You know? And this will be one market that is going to give a lot of new people opportunities. This is the next internet era that I can see. And, and it is what is happening today. Right? You do, in, in cryptocurrency and in blockchain, you don't see uh, our Google or Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg has the leader. The leader in the blockchain and crypto industry is another batch of guys, right? Vitarik Buterin and all these. They are the they are the new ones. Okay, and if we look back into internet industry, I I I can just ask you back the question, Dennis. Can you name me ten top internet uh, multi millionaires and billionaires? Yeah, you can name more than ten. Maybe even a hundred if you sit down to write it, write them down. Can you name like the games industry ten top billionaires and multi-millionaires? You can also name them if you are in that industry, right? Okay. And then today, you just have to name. Okay, name me ten that have reached the kind of godlike status such as Mark Zuckerberg in the blockchain industry you probably could name five, six, seven. And these people are changing. So, so, so the market for, for blockchain and crypto industry is so interesting because the opportunity is right here today. It's restarting back again. Because if you move into the internet industry, there's no chance that you become the biggest guy. There. If you move into games, unless you're very, very lucky, there's no chance of you to becoming number one. But in blockchain, everything restarts back. Okay? New industries are being born on top of this industry itself. And new markets are being created, such as the DeFi market and so forth. So I, I really like this uh, industry. And this will probably be my last industry that I'll be in. Well, it's, it did a fantastic uh, achievement on that. So, so I want to talk, so from your discovering of Bitcoin and crypto and blockchain, how did you start getting in as an investor, as an entrepreneur, as someone that's been as well leading the game? Because you've been doing not only investment, but as well doing a lot of things in the industry. So actually, uh, very, you, yeah, you can tell us. Very, very good question. So um, I follow back the same DNA that I have, right? And what is the DNA that I have? Right when I was 21 years old, my first job, right? When I was selecting my first job, I selected a job that I can actually learn and acquire the business for myself. So, and then my success factor, 
has an angel investors taught me that I know nothing about a lot of industry, you know, and my ideas are not the best of the best. There's a lot of people have great ideas, great technologies, great know-how. What is the best way to learn all this? Become an investor. That's why, that's why during my time as an entrepreneur, whenever I love to do what? I love to do one thing. Even that I do not need money, I love to go and meet investors. And I love to pitch my project to investors. You know why? Because the investors are so smart that if you meet the right investor, every meeting that you had with them, you know something is wrong with your business model. You have to go back to the drawing board and readjust your business model, remold it so that it becomes much better. That was my, my path as an entrepreneur. I learned that by meeting right investors, it's not about getting the money. It's about getting a tip or two that could change your business model, that could perfect your business model. Okay? So in blockchain, I did exactly the same. I become an investor. I go meet everybody. You see? And from, from the time when I do not know anything about cryptocurrency, about blockchain, and I learned. I learned, I learned from... Um, a young guy that is now the CEO of my crypto exchange in Singapore, ABCC, right? He's now the CEO of my crypto exchange. His name is Alan, right? So Alan was introduced to me by a friend and he, he is like 1992, 93 guy back then, you know, 2016, 2017. And, and to me, I was like, shit, here is an investor with money and who is investing into blockchain, but yet I know so little about cryptocurrency. I know so little about blockchain that this young guy is teaching me everything, right? He's teaching me everything. So after learning it everything for one year, so, and I, like anybody else, I thought I, I knew a lot. So let's launch my own crypto token and try and try it out. That was the time when I started to pitch back to other investors to see their feedback. But I found out that in reality, a lot of investors knows nothing about blockchain. <laughs> you know? Even and now. I know much more than them. <laughs> yeah. And I know much more than them. But throughout the space, I've met people. Um, I even have my first master which until today, I still call him master. And uh, whenever he wants to have dinner, it's always on me and so on. His name is Yogan, right? Very, very smart guy in the blockchain industry. So I learned a lot from all these people. Okay? There's no way that, you know, I'm coming from a totally different industry, the internet and mobile gaming industry, you know? And to learn blockchain, I really need the help of these people. So with their help, I fully know what makes even the market takes. Like I give you a, a, a very good example. Let's say you want to launch an ICO campaign 
you want to sell your token, which is the most important thing, right? You need to raise funding for your token. Raising money on the international stage and raising money for within China is a two different market, two different appeal that you need to appeal to them back then. Okay, so you need to know both market know how. Of course, things things is changing very fast in the blockchain industry. You got to keep abreast with it. Every quarter, there's the new stuff, and so on. So, um. That's why until today, I'm still investing and uh, actively investing. Every month, we put uh, money into seven to 12 projects every month. Okay. So we do equity investment and we also do tokens investment. And uh, both of the play is also different. Equity is a mid-long-term play. Tokens is a short Midterm play, you have to have different strategies going into this. Wow, that's impressive! You are a masterclass. So, so I, yeah, I want to, really. uh, <laughs> no, no, come on, this this level of detail because in the end, a lot of things people talk very top level, but they forget the details. And I think you go through the details, but you go it's all in a very practical level. So, from these investments that you're doing, and from the trends that you've been seeing going, because of course during your tenure and as well the last ten years, you've been creating a powerhouse of network, both in China, Hong Kong, but worldwide as well, because you have a global footprint. So what would be some of the highlights they want to tell us for people listening to us about both Bluetooth VC, but as well your work as an investor and as well an entrepreneur from a blockchain perspective, I mean, and crypto. From a blockchain perspective, in what, uh, in, in what sense? In investing or in the trends? Um, no, for you, start with investing from your own portfolio. Some of the things From my that own you portfolio, are proud. Hey, when, yeah. when investing, we look at things in, uh, in a few different tier perspective. We look at, uh, first, we invest less, but put in, uh, we invest less, but put in more money, okay, in companies that we feel is not ready now, but in the future, right? In the future. So, uh, Companies like Polkadot, you invested, invested in them like uh, two and a half years ago, right? You had to put in two and a half years ago, and then you, you just sit there and wait. There's nothing much you can do, right? There's no product, there's nothing, they're in development, you know, and you just wait. And two and a half years later, you reap a 50x return, right? Companies like EOS did it in a different path. While they are in development, they launch the token first, right? And the token trades, the token fly. And the token drop back, and you wait three years before the token picks up again. This year, like a month and a half ago, we sold our EOS token, right? And that is a three years wait. That is a three years wait. So certain companies, you have to wait the long, the long tier where we put in more money, and then we wait. And there are some companies like NFTs. Today, we invest in a lot of NFTs companies. In fact, before this call, I was just on another call and the founder asked me, so um, Calvin, how much you want to put into my NFT project? I said, how much are you raising? He's raising six million. I said, how about 5%? And the guy was like, wow, that's good. <laughs> and so on. So 
projects like NFT, we look at it as the short midterm play because this is what's hot in the market today. So I always tell some of my friends who want to get into the blockchain space and so on. I say, first, you really must have a good business model. Nothing beats a good business model. Nothing beats real business in blockchain, which is missing today. But if you are just coming in and you want to raise money, you know, well, it's the same for the internet industry, the mobile internet industry, the online games industry. If you really just want to uh, raise money, ride on the wave, right? And what is the wave? What's popular now? What people are all talking about now? Ride on the wave, okay? So um, my foray into, into this uh, blockchain space, I've done some stablecoins projects, you know, in Hong Kong. Um, back in 2019, uh, we raised 300 million US, launched a go-back token back then, right? But we didn't really launch the go-back token. We raised 300 million US, bought gold back in February, March 2019, which you can calculate the price. It was like 1,100 to 1, not more than 1,300 at that time. And then late last year, we sold all the gold away. Uh, $2,000, right? So we didn't need to launch the project. And it, 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 it became a, a legend in Hong Kong that you guys did the project, but didn't even launch it and made money out of it. I, probably again, this is, this is luck, you know, but it's all thanks to uh, the LPs, the investors, you know, so um, we as the management company, which did the project and brought in the tech and so on, we listened to the, the LPs. The LPs like, hey, look, gold is moving up. The economy is bad, you know, and then pandemic hits in at the end of 2019. Let's just not launch and hold on to it. And then when gold is at a good price, let's sell it off. Thousand eight, thousand nine. It's good profit. And the company makes money. That's the most important thing, right? In business. So we, we were coined that uh, it was one of Hong Kong's uh, biggest project because we launched the, the main event at the Hong Kong Stock Exchange main hall. Uh, um, about seven 800 people came for our launch. It was a big launch. But we really did not mean or issue the token out. We just bought gold, that's it, right? So that was one of the projects. And then uh, back in 2019, uh, I orchestrated, after, after the gold project, I orchestrated uh, a meetup between friends from all over the world. I told them, look, I have some money, not a lot of money, but I would like to do something Great. If all of you are blockchain and crypto guys and we have the tier one that's Vitalik Buterin, you know, um, and, and so on, all the big big guys that have made billions, market cap. And if you are tier two or tier three, that means you have worked for these guys before, you fully understand what is blockchain. And if you are waiting for an opportunity, I have the money, pitch me the idea, I'll fund it. Right? So 
been listening to a lot of all these ideas and then form and then you you will find that oh this guy is suitable as a great ceo but he doesn't have a good co-founder another guy is a good co-founder or coo level another guy is a cmo but most of them are missing one piece here and there and then i got fed up i told all of them i'm going to sponsor i'm going to give you a plane ticket to every single one of you let's spend one week together in hong kong and we see what we can come up with right so that's the birth of uh, uh, real defy a project that is uh, incubated and funded by me uh, and then um, from real defy then at the end of uh, um, at the end of 2019 right then we saw that was an opportunity in defy when we formed real defy we didn't really understand defy that deep or, or at least me my the those guys that came from oc's they fully understand defy i told them that what is real business in blockchain what is blockchain apart from the tokens going up when people ask you what's how does you make money from your blockchain and crypto project you know the the most funny word that i heard from a lot of really uh, good crypto entrepreneurs is that well my tokens price will go up and you make money <laughs> right that's that's <laughs> that's the theory about <coughs> excuse me that's the best part about the crypto market right how do you make money my token price goes up which is true if we really look at all crypto projects in the market today how many of them really have real business right which one really have real business so i can tell you that what is the real business in crypto and blockchain company of course you can say ethereum have the ethereum really have real business ethereum is the platform that everybody does the business on top of them that's why everybody is paying gas fee right to ethereum at one time i remember um few months ago i paid as much as a few hundred dollars us for one transaction in gas fee so shit this is a real business right ethereum is a real business by itself it has real application real use case on top of it so apart from ethereum what what else can you do in blockchain that is a real business exchange crypto exchange crypto exchange is a real business because people needs the exchange to transact and so on and when you launch a token you need to list it on an exchange so exchange whether it's decentralized or centralized is a real business so apart from this what else and then i was introduced to this defi world back then and we say that yes so apart from exchange what else that is going to come that's going to be real application real usage that people can see real money and that's finance so let's do crypto blockchain business in finance back then right and then the ceo uh james anderson says that that's defi and i said defi yeah decentralized finance okay let's call the company real defi right back then the first name i wanted to call it real token and then from then 
uh, because Real DeFi needs to be built, it's a protocol chain and so on. So it, 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 it will take time to build, right? So at the meantime, what can we do that is immediate, that have immediate uh, effects, that can immediate results, that can show to people? And that's where uh, Real DeFi incubated a project called MantraDAO. So MantraDAO and the OM token is all about staking back then. So MantraDAO is a huge success. It's a huge success. Um, I dare say that it has one of the really good communities. They're really good at maintaining the communities and so on. Um, two of the founders, John and Will, which I've known them for many years, did a really good job in, in, in maintaining the MantraDAO business. Okay. So, so after MantraDAO, um, the, the latest one that uh, I'm involved with, which that uh, this, this company took uh, three years in the making, and that's uh, called Labs Group, right? So Labs uh, is a partnership with uh, two other friends of mine that's in Hong Kong, Yuan, who has been in the crypto industry for three over years, and then uh, Patrick, which is also in the crypto industry for three years, and so on. Labs is property tokenization. Okay, it's all about taking properties and tokenize them, fractionize them, so that people can easily buy per square foot of the property. So Labs was launched. We um, recently we had a good success in Labs um, project. These are the project that I mentioned. Yes, I'm directly involved. In them, I put my face onto their website. Usually, when I invest into any companies, I do not allow them to put my face there. Okay. So these are the these are the projects that I'm 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 fully like truly involved with them and so on. That I know that these are the projects that uh, will be here five years from now. Okay. So many of the startup, as you know, startup world projects will, will disappear within two years, right? So these are the ones that um, I put my, my face on it, I put my reputation on it, that because I know that they'll be here. Like you, you can't go wrong with properties. Properties is one of the biggest asset, uh, the biggest asset class in the world. Okay? And um, I think they're making some announcement uh, very soon, tokenizing an entire resort in Indonesia. And then after that, they're going to go to Thailand. And uh, focusing really on resorts and uh, wine resorts because the pandemic has uh, destroyed a lot of uh, prop, uh, resort prop revenues and so on. It's at, at an all-time low price now. But as we all know, you know, this pandemic will be over a year, two years from now, okay? And resorts business will, will rise again. And resorts is property, it won't go away, right? It definitely won't go away. And the best part about resorts is that you have a fixed yield to it, right? Every year you make four or 5% from it and so on. So it's a good store of value as well. And we're bringing it into... Resort buying is only limited to rich people and so on. But with labs, 
today everyone can afford a square foot of a resort. That's what we, we, we uh, Labs is doing. So I'm doing stuff that is like uh, what interests me in investing in cryptocurrencies. I love to invest in the trend. The trend is what makes most fast money, quick money, right? But what I put my face on is stuff that is uh, very solid and long-term. Slower money, but you'll be around for sure. And that is very wise and very impressive. So, so from the companies you mentioned, so you have Real Defy, um, then you have uh, ABC. Yeah, ABC uh, and Mantra Yeah, the yes. exchange. Yeah, and then you have as well Alice Live Inc., um, which you've been managing as well since 2017. So, can you tell us, especially probably you touch ABCC, you touch a bit Rio DeFi. Can you touch about Mantra DAO and as well, because Ma DAO or decentralized autonomous organizations is a big thing in crypto and blockchain? Oh, that's the, that's the first one. That's the first one. Uh, yeah. Mantra DAO is the first one that, uh, that uh, introduces the DAO method uh, decentralized autonomous organization which whereby um, all the owners are actually token holders okay all owners are actually token holders and the token holders have a say in how you are going to uh, mold your business or make decision in your business right so mantra dao was the first dao that uh, uh, we, we we explore with and it has been really successful. Like I say, the most important thing is about the community, the community and your uh, token holders. If you really need to treat the token holders right. Okay? Because the token holders, even if they just invest $5 US to you, they own your company. Right? They own the company. They have a say in the company. They, the voting process has to be transparent. So I feel that more and more DAO will be happening. And uh, in fact, today there is, uh, uh, you can even do a legitimate uh, and regulated DAO in, um, in the States, in the States of Wyoming. Wyoming basically has the um, framework whereby you can legally register a DAO. So that's really impressive. So DAO, yes, DAO is still in its early days. You know, I think uh, a lot of things will come into play as, as we move along. No, very good. So, so in terms of, uh, so I want to touch a bit just the DAO and then look at some of the trends because, of course, you have access to a lot of trends in the industry and blockchain. Mm -hmm. And I know that you're passing to your one hour time. I want to be respectful of your time. So, for, for someone that is in, in uh, well, investment for the last, uh, well, last years and with a very solid footprint and a very solid portfolio, how do you see the DAO going between the different systems, especially being based as well in Hong Kong and China, which is very centralized? How do you see that? Mm -hmm. how, how can you go around this? Because, of course, if people right now, especially with what happened in the last weeks with China, uh, blocking crypto and so forth. This is creating a lot of issues. And I know that Hong Kong is very advanced uh, market in terms of crypto and re regulation is more advanced. It's one of the most advanced in the world. So how do you see this in one end, the decentralized, the one end, the centralized, and as well in the other end, you as an entrepreneur that has to bridge all these different things. So I think it's one thing that people are not touching is how 
centralized systems are going to be touching the decentralized systems because the two things are already happening, but very few people know how to work on this. Mm. So I think um, three worlds will exist, right? You will always have the centralized world, you will always have the decentralized world, and you will always have the hybrid, which mixes the, the centralized world with the decentralized world, or the decentralized world with the centralized world. So um, we call it CFI meet DeFi or DeFi meet CFI. And this is already happening. This is already happening as we speak today that uh, banks or financial institutions and so on wants to offer DeFi products to their customers eventually, right? So, I mean, traditional financial institution is feeling the, the, the pressure in, you put a million dollars in your bank, you get less than 2% interest. You put a million dollar US in USDT or USDC and you stake it, you get to earn 4 to 8% interest. That's a huge difference. There's a 4x difference. I, I will never put, I, I put all my money in stable coins and I earn all my use from the blockchain. Okay. So even my private bankers is asking me, hey, you can, you know, you can do more, put more money in. I say, look, there's two problems with it. One, if I ever put in my crypto money into the bank, you have to shut me down, right? So the next thing is that, and you're paying me less than 1% interest unless I lock up my money for like three, three years and above. Then I get probably close to 2% interest. That doesn't excite me. Today, Every 30 days, you know, I can get a minimum, just close an eye, 4% per annum. That's the minimum. And you do need not lock up for a long period of time, just 30 days. Right? That That's really, the beauty. Yeah. It's very wise, very wise. But a lot of people don't know how to make this bridge. And I think I would like yes. to touch this because so, it's a big thing in crypto that people are struggling to understand, especially because you and me are on this and we've been on this for a decade, uh, decade at least. But uh, 19... Mm. Let's say there's only 3% in people in the world that are into crypto. And from this 3%, probably like 0.1% are people like us. So there's a lot of things to take this mainstream. So I would like to touch that if you wouldn't mind. Okay. So going mainstream means uh, DeFi meets CFI. Right? And that is what um, uh, the people at Rio is doing. I, I, I'm not in the management, I'm just uh, their investors, right? So they, that's what they are pushing forward. They are opening up avenues whereby the C5 people can have the security of the C5, but allowing you to earn from D5. And this is not just them they are doing, um, there are a few others visionary entrepreneurs that are looking exactly into this space itself. Okay? And they truly want to open this up to the mass market. All right? Savvy crypto people, they will handle their own wallets themselves. And if you really want to maximize your earnings, every 30 days, you need to switch staking to maximize your earnings. Right? So if you are just an uncle or auntie out there, 
you know, you don't want to know, oh, so there's another new protocol that I can switch to to make better earnings. There's another staking platform. But what if that, what if that one is a scam? What will happen? You see? So the key to all these new entrepreneurs, people like the, uh, uh, James, Stefan, and Katerina, they are doing this um, that helps people creating a platform where they can trust. And the rest, they will do that for you. Every, every month, they'll do the switching for you to ensure that you have the highest use possible in the safest manner. I think, I think this is a very, very uh, key point and that is safe to, to a lot of non-crypto people outside there. They want to get involved, but they are worried, right? They're worried. They're worried about the price volatility of Bitcoin. They are worried about, hey, if I lose my password, right? If I lose my password in a bank, I just have to walk in with my passport. Hello. Give me back my account. You get back your account. If you leave your, if you lose your seed phrase in your wallet, you can pray to God, and God can't even help you with that. Your crypto is gone, forever. Right? Okay. So that's where CFI meets DeFi, and DeFi meets CFI, and and that's where the growth market is. Right? Yeah, I, I, I truly believe in that. I truly believe in that because majority of the people, they like Bitcoin, but they want it safe. Right? If you are a, if you are a company, CFO, you tell the company, hey, look, I'm going to invest uh, 5% of the company's holdings into Bitcoin and the key is with me. And what if something happens to me? Sorry, man. <laughs> Your Bitcoin is gone. Right, so that cannot happen. That is, that's why the next adoption would be all these big banks are coming in. Singapore DBS Bank is going to service this whole entire industry, and and I'm sure after DBS, every single bank will have their saliva dripping at this market. Let's find a way to also go in. That is why you have um, non-stop acquisition of uh, crypto custody company. That is happening today, right? Bitgo was acquired, and then recently, just yesterday or this morning, um, uh, a company in Switzerland, Crypto AG, is acquired. And I think the next one will be my good friend, you know, Alex's uh, company will be will be probably will be acquired as well. Okay, and it will come from the big companies acquiring them because they need the know-how the understanding of the blockchain and cryptocurrency industry. No, and I think it's, it's going to be, it's a good point. So, so as the last thing, and I, I, of course, I have a lot of questions. You, you have been a masterclass in a lot of different areas. So I want to touch, so in terms of big trends, and you mentioned that you are investing a lot in NFTs, um, and NFTs, you touch as well the digital assets like property. You mentioned right now as well the, the, the resource, which is a big thing because you can as well for instance, you can tokenize resorts and create a lot of mm. solutions. So I would like to see how you're seeing the NFTs and the, some of these more big trends 
when it comes to blockchain and uh, DeFi and, and DAOs and so forth. So what do you see? You touched already some of them, but a bit like in the macro way, especially from the NFTs, which I know that is a big thing. Uh, right now, it's a massive thing. It's probably the biggest yes. thing because it's creating, it's making blockchain mainstream. But at the same time, there's a lot of different ways to look at it. So I would like to have your views on that. Like, like, like how? How do I look at how you, NFTs? How do you look at, yeah, NFTs. Let's start with NFTs. Okay, how do I look at NFTs? I think NFTs is, uh, is a great thing. It has been around for some time. You know, ERC-1155, 721. Uh, it has been around, but the real adoption just started. CryptoKitties was the first one. The cats, you know, you can breed cats and make special cats out. That was just the beginning. But it was back then just a fact. It comes, it goes, right? And then it dies down. So now you start to see NFTs with real utilities. People are bringing arts into NFTs, right? People are bringing, uh, people are bringing toys into NFTs. That means if you buy, if you buy um, this particular toy here, okay? You get an NFT version with it. So what is that NFT version of it? It's, it acts like a certificate of authenticity to your toy. And it must go together to say that this is not a replica or this is not a copy version and so on because it comes with the NFT that proves that this is the real thing. So NFTs keep changing. I think there's huge uh, potential in music. For NFT, you know, Apple changed the world of music with iTunes. Okay, Apple changed the whole world of music with iTunes, and then uh, Spotify changed the the world of streaming uh, music. Who who would have thought that streaming music is a multi billion dollar business, right? Nobody would have thought. Everybody wants the music to be downloaded onto my iPod and so on but streaming music proof differently, right? Today, streaming music is gaining rounds and so on. And um, I, I, I think NFT for music is the next big, big thing, if you already ask me. That is um, a figure that is almost 60,000 songs of music being created every day. Every day, 60,000 songs of music being created, right? So this market needs news, new channels, new avenues to come in. And it also, NFT for music helps create, you know, new musicians, funding new musicians and so on. Okay? The investment, the investment uh, area have changed. Block, when blockchain and crypto comes in, right, it changed the world. It changed the world. So before, when you have a company, you would look for big VCs. Of course, today, you still look for big VCs, right? But today, there is a chance to raise money from the market and the people come in via the token sales. This is changing the investment landscape. And I, and I truly believe uh, venture capital firms, venture funds are going to adapt to this new market. Okay, they're going to adapt to this, mar this market. Already, I know many venture capital firms are moving into this area 
or already moved into this area. Okay, so I think NFT is going to move into every single thing. And eventually you will even see, um, I, um, oh, I can't say this, uh, I've signed strict NDA on, on this one. Yeah. So I'll skip this one, I'll skip this one. I'll skip this one because I signed a strict NDA on it. Uh, but you will see NFT in finance, right? NFT in finance, you, 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 you definitely see this coming soon. Okay, so, and that's also um, another thing. So we always have to say the positive stuff and how about let's look a little bit at the gray area of stuff. So why is NFT suddenly so popular and uh, every crypto uh, uh, groups and so on is pushing this, the whales are pushing this and so on. So we have the world of uh, IEO, uh, ICO back in 2017. Uh, and then we talked about FTO, but it did not happen. And then uh, very briefly, there were IEOs, right? If you remember IEOs, uh, initial exchange offering, you have IEOs. And then we talk about IDOs today, right? Today we talk about IDOs today. And then, so every six months, this industry needs something new to convince it is alive. So the people, the whales playing this big industry, right? NFT, let's make NFT huge so that people have the belief to continue the next wave. Okay. No, impressive. And you're completely right. And I think this is going to be, we have to go through this, all these waves. So I'm conscious that we pass a bit of the time. And I think I have a lot of questions, but I'll probably, we get it for a second round. I would love to continue talking mm -hmm. about this. I want to be respectful to your time. So I want to thank you. It's been a masterclass, actually. I, I love the way you look at VC and, and the angel investing. And I think the practicalities, but as well the knowledge. And, and I think a lot of great examples, like you mentioned, about learning with people that know and, and keep evolving. Because I think you had two failures, but you have a lot of success. And of course, no one... Only this successor. In the end of the day, the, the life of an entrepreneur is about how to manage failure and success. And the failure normally you learn a lot, even if it's painful. So I, I want to thank you, yes. uh, Calvin. We're going to put links to, to all your uh, different ventures in, during the interview and as well in the different platforms that are going to be. Yeah, uh, sure, sure. It's a so, any last information. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Any last things or any ideas you want to just suggest or where people can contact you? I know that you quite a busy person, but uh, any things that you want to highlight, especially from your projects or from things that you want to, at the last Well, uh, um, if anybody have a great idea, you need somebody to fund it, you know, look for me, Kelvin at Plutus.vc. I think you, you're a generous person. Thank you. And I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kelvin. It's been nice a huge with you, honor. I, I, my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you.